Last week, we read about Mary's response to the birth of Christ. How in the midst of God's glory revealed in the person of Jesus, Mary pondered these things in her heart. Mary, Mother Mary, when I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. Mother Mary affirms Jesus' divinity and shows her love by doing what parents naturally do. She was filled with love for her newborn child and gratitude for his life. This week, Jesus' father does the same thing. As Jesus comes out of the water from being baptized, the heavens open up. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus and a voice says, This is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. This is one of the most important moments in the entire Bible. Yes, this is a moment of awe. A moment where God's presence to those gathered was undeniable and probably even terrifying. Terrifying, as the supernatural implicitly is. But it is also a moment of immense intimacy. A father, the beloved parent of all of us, the source of all being who is beyond categorizations like male or female. God, the infinite, the eternal love itself speaks. And that speech is pure affirmation. This is my son, the beloved. We mentioned in the beginning of the service, but this is this season of, of Epiphany marks the revelation of Jesus as God, primarily to the Gentiles. But this phrase has so much more going on. This phrase helps us enter into more. We've heard this phrase before. In other gospels, the phrase is in the second person, you. You are my child. In the second person, the statement is an affirmation both of Jesus and of all of humanity. It reminds us that God loves each of us. You are my child. You are my child. reminds us that we know that love in Jesus. In Matthew's gospel, the language is different. It's this. This is my son, the one I love. For the next liturgical year, we'll be working our way through Matthew's gospel. This is a theme we will visit over and over again in Matthew, turning our attention to Jesus. Matthew is all about redirecting our gaze from whatever else is going on in our lives to Jesus the divine. In Matthew, 
Like the other Gospels, the divine voice at Jesus' baptism is an affirmation of who you are, but is also about who you are in Christ, in the context of the contextualization of Christ around us. This is the Son of God. This is the way to be. This is the kingdom I'm calling you to embody. This baptismal statement reminds us of our baptismal statements. In our own baptismal covenant, we commit ourselves to following Jesus. We commit ourselves not only to acknowledging Jesus as divine, but to living the way he lived. We do this by striving for justice and peace. We do this by seeking and serving Christ in all persons. We do this by respecting the dignity of every human being, just like Jesus did. This is what Christian theologians and ethicists call imitation ethics. It seems simple, but is easily neglected. Imitation ethics says what the divine voice says as Jesus emerges from the water. This is the Son of God. This is the way. This is how you can be. Jesus is both God with us and the human who shows us how to be human, how to love God and neighbor. One of the most influential advocates of imitation ethics and one of the most influential thinkers of American Christianity, certainly of the 20th century, was John Howard Yoder. Yoder's seminal work, The Politics of Jesus, details the nature and risks of following Jesus. If we are to follow Jesus' lead, we work towards God's kingdom. We work towards a world in which love of God and neighbor are central to everything. According to Yoder, that work invariably leads to the cross. As Yoder puts it, the cross is not a detour or a hurdle on the way to the kingdom, nor is it even the way to the kingdom. It is the kingdom come. He goes on to say, the believer's cross is not any and every kind of suffering, sickness, or tension. The believer's cross must be, like the Lord's, the price of social nonconformity. Social nonconformity. It is not an inward wrestling of the sensitive soul with self and sin. It is the social reality of representing in an unwilling world the order to come. Social nonconformity. This is the place to which Jesus leads us today and every day. The ability to deny the sleepy vision of burying our heads in daily affairs, of closing our eyes to the needs of those around us, of focusing on ourselves and ignoring God and neighbor. Jesus is calling us to stay awake in our love for those around us, to stay awake in our love for our Muslim American sisters and brothers, to stay awake to the persecution of black men and women, to stay awake to the reality of climate change, because we know that Jesus is God. We follow him. We follow the way that leads to self-sacrifice rather than self-aggrandizement. 
It is not the way of accumulation. All the junk we pile up in life. (laughs) But the way of giving up. The way that lives into this web of being that connects us all. Sounds good? What does that look like today? What does that look like in America? We're watching this America torn apart by gun violence like we saw in Fort Lauderdale, the racial violence like we saw in that horrible video in Chicago or videos in Baltimore and Staten Island and South Carolina. What does imitation ethics look like for us? In 1953, a 45-year-old woman named Mildred Lisette Norman set off from Pasadena to walk across the country. In addition to the clothes she was wearing, she carried only a pen, a toothbrush, a comb, and a map. No money, no food, nothing else. No sleeping bag, no change of clothes, no plan. (laughs) In search of clarity and simplicity, she even changed her name. She called herself Peace Pilgrim. She vowed to remain a wanderer until mankind has learned the way of peace. Her vow included walking until given shelter and fasting until given food. Sound like somebody else we knew? Somebody that wandered around at the mercy of strangers? Over the course of the next 28 years, she walked more than 25,000 miles and crossed the country nearly eight times on foot. A quick Google image search for Peace Program will reveal she was a supremely happy woman. The simplicity of her life helped her hear what John and his followers heard at that riverside. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the one where you will change your life. This is the one that transforms the world the Christ, God, with us. The peace program followed the way of Jesus, the way of social nonconformity, the way of self-sacrifice, the way of the cross. She was not killed for what she did, but her old self died to make way for something creative and new to make way for deeper connection with the people she met, to make way for God to work through and around her. You might not set off from this church to go walk around the country for 40 years. You might not. You might. But I know that there is some way in which you can live into this way of Jesus the way of a new reality. 
We all follow Jesus in our own way. But it all leads to the same end. Love that risks everything. Amen. Amen.